hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey listeners, just wanted to thank you for tuning in every week since I started my humble little podcast at the end of March. The feedback has been immensely supportive and everyone's had really great things to say. I've been able to interview people all over the world. I can't believe that this is the final podcast of 2020 and it really blows my mind that I have people that actually want to hear what I have to say and people that feel similarly. So I just wanted to say I'm very grateful for all of you and thank you so much. And I hope to bring you more content in 2021. And if you feel so inclined, feel free to buy me a pizza. Find that link in the description. Um, but I uh, definitely, you know, do this as a labor of love, completely free for you. So if you feel so inclined, please, you know, donate a few dollars here or there um, to keep this going. But thank you guys so much. And I hope that you have a great and safe New Year's Eve, obviously, because we can't really go anywhere with the virus mutating. And yeah, hope everyone enjoys it. This week's episode features Silky Harvey. She is often referred to as the happy hippie, especially while we're getting ready to head into 2021. A lot of New Year's resolutions might be coming up. Maybe you want to be happier. Maybe you want to be healthier. Maybe your mental health needs to be worked on. This is a great interview. Um, Silky is a really awesome person. She's now living in Bulgaria, living her dream. We recorded this quite a long time ago, but I still think it's a great interview. She's an awesome person, and I hope you enjoy the episode. How's it going? Oh, I'm fine today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I uh, actually had to look at the date because I wasn't sure what day it was anymore. Um, it's been kind of a crazy year. Yeah, you can say <laughs> that again. <laughs> I sometimes think it's like Saturday and I'm still on Thursday in reality. <laughs> I I've totally feel that. I feel like the weeks are zooming by, but, the, but yet like it still feels like February. It's the weirdest thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so to my listeners, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome and the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is coming to you from the UK, Silky Harvey. Silky, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. We finally had some nice weather here in oh, the good. north of England, so that's actually a big bonus. Oh, I love that. I do love Northern England. Um, I did actually for a, a stint, I was dating a guy in uh, Newcastle. Um, and so I, that was like a one, one year of my 20s. But he, I thought it was gorgeous, you know, sans that relationship. I was like, oh, I could, I could live here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, I'm only about 20 miles from Newcastle. So it's oh, okay. a lovely city. Yeah, it's, go- it's just so gorgeous up there. I, I mean, I love the UK. Um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful country. So uh, why don't you tell my listeners um, kind of who you are, your 30,000 pitch or 30,000 foot overview, your elevator pitch, who you are, what you do, etc. Yep. So um, I'm Sophie Harvey. I'm the writer and the founder of the Inner Hippie Club, which is a community for women who've lost their mojo and their joy in life. And uh, 
I help these women basically to release their inequity, which is that wild and the carefree teenage feeling before life got serious on all of us. And I help these women to feel younger heart again. That's mainly what I do. I love that so much. So uh, Silky reached out to me. There is a service called matchmaker.fm, which is a free service for podcasters. It's actually quite innovative. It's kind of like Tinder, but for podcasting. And uh, Silky was actually the first person to reach out to me to request to be a guest. And when I read her mission statement, I just thought, wow, like that is just so lovely. Um, Because I think you know, and talking and having this podcast about imposter syndrome, Silky, I've had all of these Mm -hmm. differing conversations from women about, gosh, you know, I just can't ever be myself. And, um, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's, it's, it's not just, you know, in the U.S. exclusively, it's, it's, it's worldwide. Um, and there's so much societal pressure. So I like that you're trying to unravel the preconceived notions that women should be this, that, or the yeah. other, and let them be who they are, which is carefree. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually got to this conclusion by doing my uh, energy healing work, because mm-hmm. before all this uh, virus thing kicked off, I was very much hands-on holding workshops and working with women. And this is the one thing that's been coming through time and time and time again in every single workshop that most women have forgotten how to be themselves and how to have fun in life because they've basically had their careers, they've looked after their families, they've created a home for everyone. And then when they reach middle age, they suddenly realize there's not a lot left for themselves because they've looked after everybody but number one, really. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that that's um, such a good point, uh, you know, but even regardless of age, I remember getting out of college and finding my first job and then going, oh wow, this is like literally all mm-hmm. I'm going to do for the next 40 years. Well, this yeah. is very depressing. And um, yeah. so the most joy I have felt recently has actually been getting laid off it, it, as, as much as it sucked, <laughs> getting laid off as a marketing yeah. director in March. I mm-hmm. said, you know, I've always wanted to podcast. I've just always wanted to do this. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to tell these stories. And if it helps one person, then that's amazing. But if it, if no one likes it, then I tried it and I can check that off my bucket list and whatever. And this thing has truly taken off. Um, and so now I get to share all sorts of beautiful stories like your own. So I'm very excited Mm -hmm. to have you on. Please don't kick me out today. But thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll just kind of hop into the elephant in the room, of course, which is imposter syndrome, which is what the main topic of the podcast is. So we'll start with the first question, um, which Mm -hmm. resoundingly always has the same answer, but do you feel like you have it all figured out? (laughs) No. (laughs) Simple simple answer, absolutely not. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm I'm in a really good place myself at the moment, but I still haven't got anything figured out. I don't think. I mean, life is a constantly evolving mystery to me, and there's always new things where I'm thinking to myself, hmm, (laughs) what do I do now? You know, what do I do next? And I think that's just the very nature of life itself, that we can't possibly have it all figured out. Yeah, I have a saying that if you have it all figured out, then I probably am wary of you, because I'm every day is a winding (laughs) winding road pretty much um yeah so so in terms of imposter syndrome do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways and what does imposter syndrome mean to you well 
I still suffer from imposter syndrome all my life. That's actually something I even now still have to fight with all the time. And as regards fitting in, I've never fitted in. I mean, it started as early as preschool and primary school. And uh, I was already always that kid who would never fit in a group, who was always the outsider at school, getting bullied because I just never had the same interests as all the other kids. I mean, like in the 1980s, when I was a teenager, everybody was listening to groups like Duran Duran and Kaja Gugu over here in Europe. Mm -hmm. and yeah. I was into rock and roll, shaking Stevens, Elvis Presley <laughs> and Buddy <laughs> Holly. <laughs> You know what? I would have been your friend. Absolutely. Uh, because I, there's a level of that. I, I was born in 1989, but even so, mm -hmm. there's a level of the 80s culture that I just do not understand. Like, there's the things I love. Like, I'm a huge fan of neon and, like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. resin, plastic, like, big in-your-face yeah. hair and all that. I love that. And some of the fashion was really yeah. great. And other stuff, I'm like, I just don't get it. Like, I mean, it yeah. made no sense to me. And, um, I, I, I really identify with that because I, I took German in high school, as I mentioned, and we had these mm -hmm. books from the 80s called Kommit, and mm -hmm. it was all like pre-Berlin Wall. <laughs> oh, yes. It was just so funny, like not funny, but like bizarre because it was almost mm -hmm. like it was like our school system had us stuck in the eighties, but it was, it was to the two thousands and I would, you know, we were learning these things, but, um, but yeah. yeah, I, I agree with you. I never actually fit in and I was a child of the nineties and I was always mm -hmm. super creative and the things I was interested in were always a lot different. And also my parents, um, you know, my dad always wanted boys, but instead we had, mm -hmm. we had my daughter, my sister and myself. So two girls yeah. and she and I are four years apart. And my dad was like, well, they'll never be able to play soccer. So I guess I, it's Minnesota. So, uh, we'll just, uh, mm -hmm. put them in ice skating. And I sucked at yeah. it so hard. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't fit in in dance because I spin the wrong way because I'm left-handed. I didn't fit in, in in ice skating. I I mean mm -hmm. figure skating. I just didn't fit ever. And I was yeah. always made to feel somewhat ashamed of that. And I was just bullied relentlessly. So I definitely identify mm -hmm. with that. And then when I got to high school, I chose the nerdiest thing you could do, which is newspaper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, I. I'm so I'm so like that. I mean, I had exactly the same problem. My dad wanted a boy and he got a girl. So he effectively actually brought me up like a boy. I got to do everything that the boys did and everything that was remotely to do with being female or feminine was complete, completely frowned about. So whilst all the other girls were going out and like you said, had all this this neon fashion on the go, the big hair, I was actually walking around in lumberjack shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But you know, I yeah. think it builds character to not fit in. And the more I've had these conversations, the more I'm finding that this is totally normal to mm -hmm. feel this way. Uh, and I'm wondering if even the kids that you look like on the outside, I always have the saying of, um, I had one guest, Diane, she said this uh, very early on in my interviews that uh, we're seeing everyone's highlight reel, we're not seeing anyone's bloopers. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially in the age of social media, we're finding that yeah. people, young, young women, um, women younger than myself and Gen Z and all of that, they're starting to compare themselves to this Instagram influencer, highly polished, mm -hmm. outdoor, outside look. And it's very akin to when 
you and I were children and we would look in magazines and we would see something mm -hmm. that we could never be. Um, and so it's just been very interesting to kind of see that like, for some people, they're no longer based in reality, that that is just one facet of who they are. That might not even be mm -hmm. the case. They could be in crippling debt. They could be, you know, they could, yeah. they could be a bad person. You don't know. So I've, mm -hmm. I found that extremely interesting as well, kind of in these conversations of like what people see and perceive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would imagine. I'm, I don't really envy the kids nowadays growing up with social media. I mean, nope. <laughs> I, I count myself lucky. I, I still grew up the old way. No internet, no mobile phones. I mean, when I went out, the only uh, instructions I got, get back home when the streetlights come on, you know? And in the <laughs> meantime, nobody knew what you were doing, where you were. And uh, yeah, we we didn't really have, like you said, so, so many things to live up to because we were just kids. And when we read magazines, we knew, like you said, it's, it's something that we can't attain that easily anyway. So we we regarded it as magazines and there wasn't this overlapping of realities in our minds and we never did bother to fit in like that just maybe that the fitting in was more amongst your peers yeah so like when when you saw the fashion in the magazines everybody copied it and then obviously if there was somebody like me who didn't copy it <laughs> that, that turned into the outsider but uh, we, we just didn't have this enormous social media pressure on mm -hmm. us. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm and reading your uh, answers, um, in your last paragraph in this answer, you said that you've successfully managed to overcome these feelings of imposter syndrome in recent years. So how, mm -hmm. do you have any tips for kind of how to, to go about that? Or is that something that's taken years to kind of work on? Uh, it has taken a long, long time to work on. Mostly, um, I started practicing a lot of self-care after I suffered from burnout at work mm -hmm. about three years ago now and that, that was a really dark and difficult period and I found out that actually there is not much help out there because you can either see a psychiatrist and they pop you a pill or uh, you see some psychologist to give you 10 sessions of a bit of a press talk and then you get sent on your way again so I decided to um, try to help myself and started reading a lot and I, I also went to places like I'm very lucky I'm two hours away from a Buddhist monastery which mm -hmm. is in Scotland which is called Ram Yiling it's a beautiful place it is an authentic monastery in authentic Tibetan building in the foothills of Scotland <laughs> it looks wow. absolutely weird but amazing at the same time and uh, I went there and I, I studied mindfulness with some of the monks there and they actually started giving me a very very useful tip that actually was the turning point for me to turn it all around and they said having uh, trying to practice mindfulness doesn't mean that you have to sit on a cushion cross-legged in a lotus position for five hours you know in a room filled with, with incense which is like a common misconception mm -hmm. but you can actually start practicing mindfulness in very, very small ways. You can, you can just basically focus on the here and now because that's all mindfulness is. You forget mm -hmm. about your past because there's no point worrying about that. You forget about your future because there's no point right this minute to be anxious about it because 
it hasn't happened yet. So you're mm -hmm. only focusing on the here and now. And one way of doing it is, for example, when you are doing your household chores. And this monk gave the example, when you are washing the dishes and you're still doing it the old fashioned way in a sink with, with bubbles and, mm -hmm. and everything. That really just focus on what you're doing, feel the water, look at every single bubble, watch every plate as you're washing it and really make that the very focus of your existence at that moment in time. And by doing that, you can snatch tiny little fragments of the day to clear your mind of all the worry and all the stress and the anxiety. And even though it might only be like two, three minutes at a time, it will add up at the end of the day. And after a little while of practicing and practicing and practicing, you will start feeling an enormous benefit as if you've been sitting down for two hours meditating. It's really a very strong and powerful exercise. Yeah. That's an amazing tip. It makes so much sense. Um, my mom always had a saying that was like, she feels, I mean, this is not to be religious or anything because my mom's not really religious, mm -hmm. but she says she feels the closest to God when she's doing her dishes. And to me, I've always taken that as in that moment, she's mindful. In that moment, mm -hmm. she's, she's, she's there in that moment, in that moment only. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that's really hard for people in my age bracket mm -hmm. to grasp because, um, you know, as a millennial, um, it, there is a lot of stuff that can happen mm -hmm. to our, my generation. It's a lot harder yeah. to keep a job. We're typically career bouncers. Um, you know, a lot of us are renting and probably will never own a home. There's a lot mm -hmm. of societal pressure, there's marriage and, and all these things that kind of can make you feel these constant anxieties. And what yeah. I've been in therapy for and to work on is um, trying to stop the tracks of the mm -hmm. loops. And recently yeah. I've caught myself and I'm actually going to bring it up in therapy this week. My husband will be deploying and it'll be my first deploying deployment, probably my, my only deployment while we we're married. Um, Cause he's been mm -hmm. in for 14 years. And I, started to just have this internal dread this week where I couldn't mm -hmm. explain it. Why was I feeling so sad? Why was yeah. I, was, why was I self-soothing by drinking more than I normally would? Why was I not exercising like I normally would? Why was I, mm -hmm. why was I just feeling this general sense of like malaise and dread? And I finally kind of sat down and thought about it. And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm dreading the future. I'm yeah. stuck on this feeling of external dread on the future and that's not serving me because I'm no longer in the now. And mm -hmm. what about the future is stressing me out? Why can't I stay mm -hmm. present? Well, he's here right now. Why can't I enjoy that? Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's been kind of funny to have to like backtrack the way your brain works. Yeah. Um, and Definitely. it's hard. Yeah. It, it is really hard. It's one of the hardest things you can do, but the, um, the tip I would give people who are in a similar situation is that the start of turning everything around, if you're suffering from anxiety, burnout, stress, even mental breakdown, the, the very root is to practice this mindfulness and to keep practicing it because it is bloody hard. You can't turn that chatter in the mind off in the beginning at all. Yeah, it, it seems to be like a, like a monkey in the brain mm -hmm. chattering away at you. But 
if you keep at it and keep at it and literally start off with 30 seconds at a time because it won't you won't be able to focus on it much longer in the at the beginning but if you keep doing it and keep doing it then in the end you suddenly find it becomes a habit like nowadays i sometimes catch myself staring just into the air like my mom always used to call it oh you're staring holes into the air again <laughs> you know <laughs> but um, then i then i remember that as a child i always used to do it and i think all children do because you sometimes see a child just sitting there fascinated with a ray of light coming through a window pane or something or they, they just look at the speckles of dust that are flying around on a sunny day and and you you watch these children and they're doing exactly what we should be doing even as adults being mindful of the moment and completely losing yourself in the moment yeah absolutely I think that's a, a really valid point. And, and kind of before you and I hit record, I was telling you um, recently I got a puppy. And so I'm seeing, I mean, not the same as a child, of course, but I'm seeing my dog, my little small dog, you know, mm-hmm. interacting with the world, being very in that moment. And we have um, artificial turf because we're in California and our yeah. grass. And mm-hmm. he will pick up anything that's not turf because he's a puppy, right? So he's in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> that's kind of how I'm relating it is like, oh, okay, look, if you can find something in the grass that I would have overlooked, then that's you mm-hmm. being in that moment. Um, and so uh, um, I, I think it's amazing that you've kind of had this breakthrough and I think it's great because you can now use this to help other women. So this kind of mm-hmm. leads into my second, um, my second question, which, or my third question, which is, you know, what does success look like to you and do you feel successful? Um. Yeah, I, I do actually feel very successful these days. And I didn't always, but uh, nowadays for me, success actually means that I've managed to achieve a goal that I've set myself in life. And that I, I've done well at something, even against the odds, even when it looked like a completely mad idea in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't have a lot to do with money, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, Money is a nice byproduct of your success, and I don't snitch at it at all if it comes my way. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong, but I don't need the money to actually feel the success of a project. To me, it's more important that I've managed to complete something and that I have done something that I set out to do. And yeah, some, yeah. I don't know, like this in a hippie club. For months and months and months, I've been wondering about how to take my business online because like I said I was a Reiki practitioner I was doing workshops very hands-on and then along came the virus and put a stop to all that and I was completely at a loss how to transpose what I knew from my workshops and my hands-on work onto the internet mm-hmm. so it took me a lot of thinking and a lot of figuring it out until I finally arrived at this concept of the hippie club and now I've actually got something that works and I've already started working with women and I can see that it's helping them mm-hmm. and so that the whole thing is taking shape now and something like that that's that's success to me because it looked impossible when I first started but now I'm actually out there doing it yeah, I um, I absolutely agree with that. I've come to realize in this pandemic that money's nice, 
but it's not mm-hmm. everything. Not that I was ever, I've never been materialistic. I've never been money focused. Um, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be paid what I'm worth. That's the difference as well. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. but, <laughs> but that's a different hill we can die on. Um, but, yeah. uh, so for me, I've never felt more successful and and I, and, you know, I know someone could look at my podcast and go, well, you're not monetizing it. And you know, you mm-hmm. not, you don't really have any partnerships and stuff. And I look at it and go, this was an idea that I had that mm-hmm. then I had no idea what I was doing when I started. I mean, sure. I was a radio DJ in college. Sure. I have the basics down. I didn't know yeah. what I was doing. And now to get from that, to get to 1000 listens in less than 100 days. And now to be able to talk to people worldwide, like yourself and others. Yeah. And I'm being told I'm helping people. Not mm-hmm. that I need to be told that this is helpful, but the response I've gotten has been so therapeutic because it's like, oh, I'm just going to yeah. talk into this microphone, but people like it. So there's mm-hmm. this feeling of success that I'm doing something that actually matters. That's beyond me. And is it monetary? No. Do I care? Absolutely not. Because I'm doing something that's so in line with what I needed to do for me, because without podcasting, I probably wouldn't have started therapy. And without therapy, I probably wouldn't have started some major healing on my own um, Mm -hmm. because every week I'd advocate for it, but I wouldn't go do it myself. So, so I found a very empathetic, compassionate therapist because I was doing this because I was having these conversations where I was like, I need to probably talk to someone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so I feel success kind of similar to you. And I, and I think like when, when you're doing what makes you truly happy. Um, Mm -hmm. so for me, like I love crafting and I love, I love to have these conversations and podcasts and that's really what's making me happy right now. Yeah. Um, that's when I'm feeling the most level of success, regardless of the fact that on the paper, my career as a, like I was marketing director, which is like, there's only one other place you can, well, two other places you can go after that, which is VP of marketing or CMO. And, mm-hmm. and, and I hit that marketing director and I thought I would never, ever hit that. And I did it and I did it very well for a year. Um, mm-hmm. And I chose not to look at the pandemic as a failure, but rather a place for growth. And I think that in this pandemic right now, we're seeing from people um, kind of who to weed out and, and mm-hmm. cut the toxicity from <laughs> yeah. your life from. And I, yep. I just had this conversation with a friend uh, last night. Um, she'd, we'd, we found this article about uh, dating in the pandemic, post-pandemic, but it's still a pandemic. So I don't mm-hmm. know why we're calling it post-pandemic, um, but dating in the pandemic and kind of, um, we were like kind of having a giggle about the article because like, you know, she and I are both married. Um, and yep. then I said, you know what, actually, maybe that wouldn't be so bad because you would Mm -hmm. see someone's red flag, whether or not they want to wear a mask, whether or not they're socially distancing, Mm -hmm. whether or not they're doing any cool hobbies or doing something to better themselves, or they're educating themselves on systemic racism in America. Like you have all these opportunities and those red flags Mm -hmm. are out there. I mean, I had to like dig for the red flags in the past. So I said, maybe it's not such a bad thing. And so I kind of think about this pandemic as, as, as a really great a place to have extreme personal growth, extreme um, mm-hmm. career growth or passion growth. Yeah, totally. I totally agree with that. Because um, also throughout this pandemic, I think nearly all of us have experienced like a drop in the amount of work we're getting or we're, we're working from home. But basically nearly everybody has got more time on their hands now. Mm-hmm. And myself, I certainly really really i'm enjoying this 
having a bit more time because I was running ragged before, you know, I was always doing, doing, doing. And even after I had my burnout and after I started getting into the holistic healing, I still have this tendency of just go, go, go all the time. Yeah. And this pandemic has told me basically to stay put, sit at home and actually take some time out. And that again has then brought my focus back to what I was meant to be doing, basically uh, teaching women how to recover from burnout. And that doesn't include burning yourself out again, trying to help other women not to burn out. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And right before this, I definitely had experienced burnout. I remember like going into my boss's office and being like, I can't like, I'm one person. This is too much. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm yeah. one person running an entire marketing team and I have no help whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. and, and my boss was, you know, he heard me, but then the pandemic hit and he was like, ah, mm-hmm. uh, Oh no. So, um, but but regardless, I've, I know what that feels like to be burned out. And then I wondered, do I feel burned out because marketing is not for me and this was my calling? Or do I feel burned out because I wasn't feeling passionate about the product I was working mm. for? So those are the questions I've been kind of mulling on and asking myself because I don't know what's next. And I've just been kind yeah. of taking this year to just, just I don't know, I, I think deep emotional healing. My marriage has never mm-hmm. been better. Um, we've been married yeah. for just shy of three years and marriage has never been better, even though like he was gone for a, a big portion of the year and he will be gone for a big portion of the rest of the year. Um, mm-hmm. our communication's great. You know, um, we've gone yeah. through a lot in this pandemic. Uh, I, I, I don't talk about it often, but my senior dog got very ill and we had to put him down, um, which was very, very hard on us. And it was like watching mm-hmm. a, it was like, it was like watching just a train wreck. It was awful. And, and then we ended up getting a puppy, which was recent. And so, you know, there's been a lot of positives and a lot of negatives and I've lost some friends along the way and all of that. But I, but I I do agree with you that this is just, you've got so much more time on your hands. So what positive thing are you going to do with it? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I think we've addressed the elephant in the room and I love that you've given some tips because normally, um, normally people have not come to the conclusion on how to help themselves out of this feeling of imposter syndrome. I love what you said. I'm going to start practicing it. Um, Mm -hmm. So my favorite portion of uh, this podcast is always things we're fanatical about and currently and things that we have unpopular opinions about. So um, Mm -hmm. currently for me, I'm absolutely fanatical about Etsy.com. I... Mm -hmm it's the cheapest place for me to buy character ribbon. So I make hair bows. That's what I do. Like, I, I don't know. I, yeah, I love to, I just love, I just, I don't know why, Mm -hmm. but that's just like my craft of choice. And I never was able to craft until recently when I was diagnosed with adult ADHD after years of wondering why I would get so frustrated with it when I couldn't finish things. I felt so scatterbrained. So I'm on Mm -hmm. a low dose of medication now. And, and part of my, you know, kind of things I do is like, I started, just making hair bows like crazy. Yeah. And so every day the mail comes and it's a new package from Etsy. And my husband's like, Oh, like how much ribbon do you need? And I was like, the limit does not exist, dude. I need so much ribbon. <laughs> um, but I've just, that's what I do at, in the evenings just to kind of quiet my mind and, and work mm-hmm. on something and be on the project. And so, yeah, so that's currently what I'm like super fanatical yeah. about Etsy. It's just, it's, it's, you know, mm-hmm. a really great way to get the craft projects that you want. So yeah, well, I do like Etsy because there's so much unusual stuff on there. Because mm-hmm. I, I like art and craft, but I, I'm really, really passionate about 
and have been all my life is music because uh, yeah actually for over 20 years I was a professional musician earning a living at it playing bass guitar in various wow. rock and roll bands around Europe so uh, yeah so rock and roll country in blues and like the proper Americana stuff is yeah. right up there on my list of my all-time favorite stuff and yeah. I'm totally and absolutely passionate about it to this day Absolutely. Um, I have a question for you. Have you been following what's going on with the Dixie Chicks who have just dropped Dixie and are now the Chicks? Yeah, I've seen that. Their new album, they have two tracks or three tracks, I think, that are released, but it will release on July 17th. And I will say it's very, very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard those those yet. But my absolute passion at the moment is Creedence Clearwater Revival. Oh, I love them. (laughs) Oh yeah, uh, I'm, I was fortunate enough a couple of years ago to see John Fogerty twice within the space of one year, which is wow. unusual. He doesn't he doesn't do Europe very often. So uh, yeah. when we when we saw that he was playing Amsterdam, we decided to like book a ferry, get across, and and see him. Yeah, and that was absolutely amazing. I mean, the guys in the seventies, and like just wow yeah I um I also I also very much love music um and on my bucket list is share Mm -hmm. I just love I love share um and uh you know and if I always say in a former life I was probably a gay man or a cross-dressing gay man um but uh so I and I love drag and all that culture and stuff but I um yeah uh my husband uh, as a what like an anniversary gift because we got married in Vegas. We actually got married by an Elvis drive-through, so we had like a show Elvis that married us mm-hmm. in like a little pink Cadillac and um, huge fans yeah, of Elvis huge. as well. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, and uh, so we went to Vegas and there's like a neon light museum. So we did that because we'd never done that before because we're about four hours from Vegas by drive or one hour by mm-hmm. flight. And uh, so I've been to Vegas a, a whole bunch and. So we got concert tickets to Cher and it was February Mm -hmm. and Cher was so sick. And I have a theory that it was COVID Mm. that she couldn't perform and it was canceled. Mm. And it was just, I was devastated. And this was before the pandemic really, really hit us. And we knew what was going Mm -hmm. on because, um, you know, there was no communication about it, uh, in Mm -hmm. our country. So I, I remember feeling deeply disappointed, but also now I'm like, okay, I have to see her before she like turns into a hologram. Like there's just, oh. I have to see her. Like, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, exactly, yeah. and my other huge fanatical one is uh, Dolly Parton. I'm a huge, huge Dolly Parton fan. And my husband oh, yeah, for my birthday, great. yes, had wanted to take me to see Dolly Parton uh, to, at mm-hmm. Dollywood. And I, um, of course, COVID again. So we didn't get to yeah. do that trip, but it is mm. on our list. We're hoping within mm. the next couple of years we can go do it, but yeah, I um yeah. I love music as well and and um I definitely like just think that mm-hmm. what kind of music you're into kind of does says a, usually says a lot about kind of your personality and and the, yeah, yeah, especially I, if you like the classics. I love that. Mhm. Oh yeah, I I like everything from the 50s right through to the 80s, but uh, I do draw a line at the 90s when the electronic music started. Oh, that's, I just can't get into that. Yeah, I um I have a joke that because I have a I'm on a very low dose of Adderall, um, that it makes mm-hmm. sense why I liked dance music so much because it was going a mile a minute like my brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So my husband calls it my robot music because I'll just throw it on. I mean, I don't even listen to the music really. I just have it on his background and I've been to a lot of shows, concerts, all of that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I can understand. Sometimes people just can't get into it and that is totally okay with me. But I did date a guy once yeah. and he his favorite band was the Beatles, which... I, that's mm. a very type yeah that's a very typecast thing to be a huge fan of and um which is fine because the Beatles are you know the Beatles are great like whatever yeah but well, but I'm, I'm, I'm you know small doses yeah yeah but he and then he said like well you all all dance music sounds the same and I was like wow you are ignorant like there's so many mm-hmm. different genres there's so many different things um so so yeah so I was like uh I think I think we're done here <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's just like yeah the one reason I don't actually like electronic music much is not so much that it's like got the rapid beat or it's repetitive. I mean, rock and roll blues is repetitive, but I need songs that I can remember the lyrics and can yes. sing along to. And, and that's, that's just me, though. That's my own personal opinion. Well, as if a I musician, can't remember of course, the yeah. Tune, yes. If I can't remember the tune, then it's a no-go for me. Oh, yeah. And there's been times I've literally Googled, like, beep boop. Like, I don't know what, like, <laughs> I, I'm thinking of a song. I, I, I know the the, the melody of it based on mm-hmm. whatever electronic patterns but I'm never going to find it again and and so thank goodness for yeah. Shazam these days because you can actually just like put your phone up and then find it but mm-hmm. so yeah. that's kind of it looks like one of that looks like one of your unpopular opinions and I always give the example of mine which is I just can't stand cantaloupe or it's cousin honeydew mm-hmm. just can't stand them yeah. um <laughs> which is a very polarizing opinion for people who love fruit cups uh, but, um, <laughs> what is, uh, yours? I saw you had a couple others. Yep. Well, like I said, the electronic music is definitely, uh, one of my no-nos. And, uh, I personally don't like the, um, racing very much. I mean, especially over here in the UK, it's just always been, uh, too weird and too violent for my personal liking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it just, it's never made any sense to me whatsoever why people have to be so weird whilst listening to music <laughs> and uh, yeah, the other thing that I really can't stand which most people think I'm completely off my head is I hate licorice black licorice or red licorice or all licorice just the black stuff that tastes like anisee yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is a it, you know it's funny because that is that is the first time someone's put it said that on my show but the also like it is a very uh, acquired taste. It's an acrid, bitter mm. kind of just weird flavor um, that yeah. I think is like in your face. And as a kid, especially when your your um, your taste mm-hmm. buds are not fully developed, it's harder. Yeah. And I think um, I'm, I used to have a friend that was from uh, Denmark, and she lived in mm-hmm. the United States, and she would always bring her version of Haribo over. Well, it had this mm-hmm. god awful, like so bad, black licorice oh, crab. You don't- you don't mean that stuff that has got salt on it on top of it. Almost, yeah, like something like that. Yeah. But it was like also licorice. Ugh. It was it was like, like vomit salty in my licorice. mouth. Licorice, yeah. Mm. <laughs> the first but, time I ever yeah. tried one of those, it went straight back out again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I um I agree with you there. I mean, licorice like black licorice is a very acquired taste. It's very hard, and it's also one of those things that like if that flavor hits your palate, it's not going away. Yeah, absolutely. You're stuck with it for hours. Yes, yes. And in the US, we, we, we tend to find that a lot of people, well, maybe it's like, it's worldwide. There's this gene that like cilantro can taste soapy to people. So usually people tell me like, oh, like I can't stand cilantro. And like, I've had like probably 10 people yeah. at this point do that. But, but uh, I licorice don't like is a new one. <laughs> Actually, I don't like cilantro either. 
<laughs> nope, nope. It's it too soapy. Taste like soap. It does. Yeah, it does taste like soap. Yeah, so we've kind of talked about things we love, dislike, imposter syndrome, all of that. But given the current pandemic, uh, kind of where we're at in the world, what's currently making you happy? Um, the thing that's making me really happy is when I see how people are pulling together throughout this pandemic. I mean, that's really lovely to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, you know, as much as we've got negatives going on right now, and there is definitely a lot of suffering. I mean, I've got acquaintances myself who have deaths in the family, and so the virus has never been far off anyone's mind, but it's been amazing to see how whole communities have been pulling together this. An enormous amount of help going on here in the UK with people organizing shopping trips for their neighbors, and suddenly people are caring for their elderly neighbors who they probably have never spoken to if it hadn't been for the pandemic. And yeah, so uh, in a weird and strange way, even though nobody can be physically together, it has brought whole communities together. And that's something I find really lovely. Yeah, I, I love that. I think like when this kind of all started for for us, um, well, I mean, it's still kind of happening, but uh, <laughs> There's a joke going on that uh, Southern California is really ruining it for everyone. We're considered the Florida of California. Um, I've been on strict lockdown pretty much for over 100 days. I've done some some yeah. very safe, socially distant things. Like um, my friend is a zoo member, so we've gone to the zoo a couple of times outdoors, no indoor enclosures, like, mm -hmm. you know, washing yeah. your hands, doing all those things, you know. And we've done that mm -hmm. once or twice, but other than that, I haven't eaten out at restaurants. I, I, I won't nope. go to the bars. I'm not doing anything that's not essential. And, and it's, and I can't travel because of the DOD. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we're almost yeah. doing things in secret because, or the Department of Defense, it's almost like we do things in secret, but even so, like, mm -hmm. you know, I have, I'm, I'm kind of seeing, you know, there's two tracks of people. It's like, how are you being better on the pandemic as we've mentioned and talked about but also, how are mm -hmm. you being a better neighbor? Um, so yeah. our, my community, I live in a slightly more impoverished area of San Diego County, which is like kind of more up and coming. It's called Lemon Grove. Um, we own our mm -hmm. house. We love our house. And uh, we have some amazing neighbors that like we keep an eye on their property when they're out of town. They keep an eye on ours, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also, there's also this group called uh, Lemon Grove Neighborhood Watch Group. And when the pandemic mm -hmm. hit, there started being like, hey, like I found toilet paper, like um, if anyone needs yep. it, it's free. I'm putting it in my little, um, free library and you know, I'm not, no one's judging you. You can take it if you need it or, um, mm -hmm. you know, who's, who's food, um, who's got food disparity. Um, we're doing a free food drive right now. And, um, uh, or the schools had so much food that they had to get rid of that. They were like, all mm -hmm. right, we're doing free lunches and free breakfast for children every single day. So there was like yeah. a lot of things that the community was doing where I had never, I'm, I'm from Colorado. I was born in Minnesota, moved to Colorado when I was 10, moved here um, mm -hmm. last April, and yeah. I have never felt more connected to my community. And that's crazy mm -hmm. to me because I lived in Colorado for 19 years. I lived in yeah. Minnesota for 10 years. And mm -hmm. it's nuts to me that I feel more connected to a place that I bought a home in than I have ever felt anywhere. Yeah. Um, I'm similar, actually, because I've moved around bits of Europe most of my life. I mean, mm -hmm. born in Germany, then came over to the UK, moved around 
practically all of the UK, all the bits from Wales to England to now almost Scotland, down Cornwall, and um, lived over in the Netherlands for a while, lived in Spain for a while. So, uh, yeah, we now decided about four years ago to buy our own home here in the north of England. And, and I'm the same, it's the first time I'm starting to feel a little bit of a root grow in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yes, that, oh, that is really brilliant. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that that's happening um, in the UK as well, especially, and I, I do know that those co the communities up north are a lot more interconnected because it's just a little bit more mm -hmm. off the grid, so to speak, not like in terms yeah. of like that, but it's more, you know, mm -hmm. lush and country and we know our neighbors and, you know, so that's yeah. kind of um, something I always really enjoyed about the uh, northern UK and even Scotland as well. It's just that everyone mm -hmm. seems to be kind Ab of friendly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, love I wouldn't want to move away from here. No, <laughs> I love that. We'll have to come visit, huh? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You're welcome. We're by the seaside, five hundred yards or so from uh, the sea. So gorgeous. Uh, I I love the UK so much. Yeah, I've got to, I've got friends that are stationed there right now, and 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 they're just they're having the time of their lives. And I'm like, oh, well, we go to Hawaii next, but we could we couldn't swing mm -hmm. an international one, but. Uh, San Diego is our is our home and where we plan to retire when he gets out of the military and uh -huh. um, it's a very beautiful area it's a great it's a great place to live um, yeah but uh, sometimes I forget I'm in San Diego because I'm so far from the seaside <laughs> like yeah, 15 yeah. minutes I do like being by the sea yeah it's nice it's one of my favorite places for some reason I've always been drawn to water I've got to be always near water. If it's not the sea, it's got to be at least a lake or a river. Oh, I like that. Yeah, there's like a level of, um, someone had mentioned to me that they do this thing called earthing where they put their feet in the ground and they feel grounded. Mm -hmm. And like you get the energy from the earth or whatever. I don't really have the science behind it, but that you feel more at yeah. peace when you're um, actually surrounded by nature. So um, for me, it was, I, mm -hmm. you know, growing up in Colorado, I was like, my parents were like, wow, mountains are so amazing and all that. And I, I, mm -hmm. I, I get it. Mountains are great, but I'm, I was always more of a beach person cause I never had that. So I was like, I like yeah. the waves and the sound of the waves and I like mm -hmm. being on the water. Like that's what I like. Um, so I've always yeah. kind of similar to you. I've always been more of a water person myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, awesome. Yeah, but definitely mm -hmm. being in nature is one of the uh, keys to feeling happy inside as well. Yeah. It's actually one of my philosophies. That yeah, you I have believe to it. Always connect with nature. Yeah, definitely. I, I definitely believe that. Well, Silky, mm -hmm. we are coming towards the end, which I give my uh, my guests the floor to uh, promote whatever they'd like to promote. So, what would you like to promote? Um, well, right now, I am launching the Inner Hippie Club that I talked about earlier. So, this community for women who've lost their mojo and their joy in life, and um. In, uh, in the middle of writing the book of the same name as well. So uh, that will be ready for publication around August, September. So again, that, that's the main thing I am I would like to promote right now, yeah. the Inner Hippie Club. The community yeah. itself is in the beta testing phase and it is opening its doors to the public on the 27th of July. Great. 
That's amazing. And as always to my listeners, I include all of the links to this in the description and uh, Silky, just keep in touch with me about when your book is being published. Um, so I can keep mm-hmm. that just if I have that link, I can put it in there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I always also like to say to my guests, um, you know, do you have any parting words for my listeners, anything that they can take some wisdom to walk away with from this episode? Um, well, mainly never give up hope, even if you're feeling really down and you really don't know how to find joy in your life again, because it is possible to get out of this dark hole and out of the slump. It is possible to do it yourself. Just uh, practice mindfulness, connect with nature, and really try to focus on what gives you joy in life and uh, try to forget for a little bit what everybody else wants and try to stop pleasing everybody and looking after everybody and just take a few minutes every day and just look after yourself and do the things you really love in life. Oh, I love that. That's great, great advice. And I really appreciate it. Well, Silky, thank you so much with a time difference, taking time out of your evening to speak with me on Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. I appreciate this so much. Okay. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. That's much appreciated. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we'll be in touch and I hope you have a great night. You too. Thank Bye-bye. You. Bye. Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use P-D-K-M-O to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter p-d-k-m-o at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories and going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday. <laughs>